Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I'm here with Jasper Scherer, the Chronicle's city hall reporter who's been covering the mayoral election, which is headed for a runoff this Saturday, December 14th. Jasper and I are about to record with Mayor Sylvester Turner as part of a double looped-in episode on the mayoral candidates. In a separate episode, we spoke with his challenger, Tony Busby. We plan to talk to Mayor Turner about not so much his politics and policies, but more about who he is as a person, where he came from, where he lives, and what events from his past led him to where he is today. Jasper, Turner was elected in 2015 and is running for his second and final term. Can you tell listeners a little bit about who he is and what his career in politics has been like? Sylvester Turner, a longtime Democrat, got into politics in the 1980s, um, first ran unsuccessfully for county commissioner, and then um, in 1988 won um, a seat in the state legislature that he hung on to um, all the way up until he took office as mayor. You know, he ran twice for the seat before um, in 1991 and 2003. And uh, those were some some pretty devastating losses for him. But he obviously maintained his seat in uh, in Austin mm-hmm. um, up until 2015. So, you know, when he, he took office, um, I think Turner focused a lot of his energy in his first two years on overhauling the city's broken pension systems, which... Um, ultimately, he got that passed through the legislature. But, you know, the the second half of his term was, I think, it's fair to say, kind of derailed by Hurricane Harvey in some ways and this really contentious feud with the firefighters over um, their over a pay dispute, uh, mm-hmm. Proposition B. So, you know, I think as we look ahead, if he were to win re-election on Saturday, we'd be looking at what did he want to get done in those two years, um, especially some maybe more progressive um, policy ideas that got held up um, over the last two years? Going into this election, going into this runoff, what do you think those things are that he's been focused on during his campaign? Sure. I think he's been kind of trying to convince voters, as any incumbent does, that he's got the city on the right track, that there is no real need to you know, enact change, and that his main opponent, Tony Busby, he's been trying to draw a contrast between them by running attack ads, tying Busby to Donald Trump. Um, that's been a, a pretty major theme of the campaign. Um, and, you know, in fairness, have to say that Busby also hosted a fundraiser for Turner during the 2015 campaign. So they also have some shared political history. But, um, you know, in any case, I think the the two things that have defined this campaign are Turner, on the one hand, trying to point to the, the accomplishments that he's he likes to highlight, and then also trying to convince folks that um, Busby, maybe his argument is he's not the right man for the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, should we go in? Let's do it. Hey, Mary. Hey, How are you doing? Hi, Nancy Sarnoff. Hi, Nancy. Chronicle. How are you doing? Good. How are you Good. doing? I'm okay. I heard you had the flu. Hi. Yeah, I did. That's brutal. Yeah. I had it last year. Uh, yeah. And I had the flu shot. I got the flu shot, too. Yeah. yeah Full, fully recovered, though? Well, yeah, about 95%. It's good. Takes a long time. Yeah. Thank you so much oh, for, for talking to okay. us. If we sound all right, I'm just going to... Get right into it? Get right into it. All right. 
Most people know you grew up in Acres Homes. Mm-hmm. You live there today. Yes, still there. Still there. Uh, and I think that is sort of a big part of who you are and, and your story. You lost your father when you were young. Mm-hmm. 13. You, your mom worked as a maid at the Rice Hotel. Yep. Raising mm-hmm. nine kids, nine is that right? Nine kids. Going back to that time, what are some of the most vivid memories you have of that period of your life? Mm. When I'm one, my mom would get up very early. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get uh, get our clothes ready or iron, all of that. Because just as soon as we uh, left for school, caught the bus mm-hmm. where we were going, uh, and then she would catch the very next bus to head downtown to go to work at the Old Rice Hotel. So I'm uh, doing that for, for, for many, many years. And then, of course, catching the bus, coming back in the evening, you know, first thing was um, cooking, getting us ready pretty much for the next day. But she was uh, an excellent provider. She never learned how to drive. So she either caught the bus or um, got a cab yeah. or got someone to take her from point A to point B. But um, if, she, if she asked you to, um, to take her someplace, uh, she would always want to pay you. Mm-hmm. She did not believe in you just doing something for her, you know. Very hardworking, um, very, very much committed to her, to all of her kids. And same thing, my dad. He just, you know, my dad um, died of cancer when he was 65, leukemia. Okay. Um, but worked very, very hard. Um, worked at Continental School as a painter for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then um, cut grass on, on the weekends. So my dad was a very hard worker as well. Were you and your siblings close? Yes. Yeah? Six boys, three girls. How far apart? Every two years, except my baby brother. He came, he came late. Okay. Yeah, but, um, but from the uh, oldest, every, every two years, a Turner was being presented, to the, <laughs> <laughs> being presented to the world. And so are you close to them today? Outside of my dad dying early. You know, we, we were very fortunate. And then it was my mom who passed in December mm-hmm. of uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, you know, just before I announced this last time to run for mayor. Wow. And then uh, after I became mayor, passed in December 2014. Then my oldest sister uh, passed in April of 2015. Mm-hmm. And then um, two of my uh, siblings passed since I have been mayor. Mm-hmm. So, um, we are, you know, now there are six okay. of us. Um, and um, all of us still live you know, in Houston, Harris County. Okay. Did any of them go into politics or the law or criminal Only me. justice? Only me. Really? You know, couple, what do they do? What are some of couple, them? Couple, you know, a couple of my sisters are registered nurses. Uh-huh. You know, they're doing that. Um, and then um, a couple of my brothers went into the military, one to the Air Force, one into the, you know, two into the Army. So kind of kind of like a mix, mixed bag. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that my older brothers and sisters did not with the exception of one, didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they either joined the military or they started working because they helped my mom raise the second half. I'm in the second half. Mm-hmm. So in the second half is when you find the registered nurses and um, brother went to St. Thomas and, and then myself. But there, but outside, we, we're all first, either first generation, you know, college, college, college yeah. kids. Yeah. You were 
an overachiever from what I understand. You were valedictorian of your high school. Uh Uh-huh. So when you were growing up, uh, did you work? Did you go to school? And then did you have a job? Did you focus on your studies? I worked during I worked during the summer, you know, and while I was in uh, in in high school. What did you do? Yeah, I worked at what was it? It's a Western Geophysical Plant. I did that during the summer. A lot of these maps that came through the machine, uh, you helped to sort them or fold them, mm-hmm. you know. Did some of that, and then uh, I was an electrician apprentice. Okay. You know, my mom found me that job. She did. Uh, the, one of the deacons at the church was an electrician. And uh, and who lived in Acres Home, Eugene Gully. So I was his electrician apprentice. I mm-hmm. thought that was a big deal and, until we went out to one of the houses. And he told me, take this wire and meet him on the other side of the house. It was a house in Acres Home. And I started walking right alongside of him. He said, where, you know, where are you going? I said, you told me to meet you on the side. He said, son, take the wire and go underneath the house. <laughs> he said, you know, I want you to go underneath the house and meet me on the other side. Uh-huh. Um, and oh, I said, you want me to go underneath this house? <laughs> so he says, that's about the only way you're going to meet me on the other side. So um, I did that. Uh, did not like it. Came out on the other side muddy. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, this is not going to work. This is this will be the last time you'll see me, you know, at the end of the day. But I came home, told my mom about it, told her I didn't like the job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then she reminded me that um, she gets up, takes care of her kids. She goes to work at the Rice Hotel, cleaning up other people's hotel rooms. And it was a job she didn't like either. But she did it because she had to, because she had nine miles to feed. And that pretty much. So you continued? I continued. You I, continued crawling under I became, houses? Yeah, I continued to be the electrician <laughs> assistant, crawling underneath houses or going through the attic. You know, I yeah. uh, did that for the entire summer. So I, I, I did, I did that, and then I worked at um, Southwestern Bell as a four one one director assistant, one of the first men operators oh, at uh, wow. right there at San Jacinto and Capital. Okay, I, I did that. Jasper, I don't think <laughs> knows about four one one. I'm not aware. Young, young, <laughs> I know. And then, and then there was one four one one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, so I, I did those type of jobs, you know. Of course, by that time, I went to University of Houston and uh, was speaker of the Student Association. Right. So, student Association. And that was a, like a workforce. That was a paid job, too. Okay. So you got a little stipend, so that helped out. Well, so, Mayor, you said you wanted to become a lawyer or go into politics right. basically since you were a child. I mean, what were some of your first you know, memories of lawyers or politicians? I mean, did you know any growing up? Was there someone who encouraged you to go in that direction? No, in fact, there were no lawyers in the family. I um, I saw the Kennedy-Nixon debate in 1960. My parents at the time um, made us all sit down in front of the living room and watch them on this black and white television in 1960. And I was mesmerized by them. Saw them two behind the podium debating one another and... That got me. Why was, why was that appealing to you? I mean, was it- I, I, you know, young kid, I think I was seven years old. It was just to see them on, on the television and to hear my mom and my dad talk about them, you know, uh, and, and listen to their uh, political commentary. It just was, um, it struck me and, and, and stayed with me. And uh, then discovered that uh, one of them, I think, was a lawyer. 
Um, and it just stayed, it stayed with me from, from that point forward. So I wanted to be a lawyer from that point, from that point on. I never had any other, there was nothing else that I wanted to do. And then it was, um, and then on the, really on the political side, it was Congressman Bill Archer who came to, who represented uh, that northwest part of Houston, came to Clyde High School, where I attended, mm-hmm. and gave a presentation. Uh, and and I was in awe, you know, about that. So after high school, you went to Harvard for law school. Or, sorry, after U of H, yes. you went to Don't, Harvard. Let's not leave out the coups now. No, no. no, no. After, after Klein, Absolutely not. Yeah, Klein and the University of Houston. University of Houston, right. where you studied... Political science. Political science. Yes. And then you applied, I imagine, to a few different schools. Yes. And and what what took you to the best school in the country? <laughs> in fact, I said in fact I said no to Harvard. You did? I said no. I was going to University of Texas Law School. Bear in mind I'd never gone outside of the state of Texas. Oh, you'd never been anywhere else. And so um for me, my frame of reference in terms of knowing. Mm-hmm. University of Texas. Mm-hmm. That's that was my frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Now I applied to a number of schools right. like Harvard and got in, but in my frame of reference, you know, why go outside of the state of Texas when I'm going to be when I'm you know I'm living in Houston, I'm going to practice in in Houston, so why not go to University of Texas? It was only when two of my political science professors at the University of Houston discovered that I had turned down schools like Harvard and others. And um, Professor Rogers and Professor Carr. And then they asked to take me to lunch. And they said, uh, is it true that you've turned down, you know, a number of Ivy League schools like Harvard? And I said, uh, yeah. And they asked me why. So I said, why not? I'm going to the University of Texas, you know. And they said, not to say that UT is not a good school, because it is. But, for example, they said, um, but why, have you, why did you turn down Harvard? I've never been there. Yeah. You know, I knew about them from uh, debating with many of them because I, I was a debater at the University of Houston mm-hmm. and they came to the University of Houston tournaments and stuff. But I, I said, that's why I applied. Yeah. But I'd never been on the campus. You know? And um, so they told me and they said, look, you're a debater. Go to the library. Take a take a Just look at some of the schools you've turned down. Just come on. At least do that. Yeah. So I did that. And then they uh, they said to me, um, um, University of Texas is a good school, um, but we think you're making a serious mistake. Wow. And uh, I did. I, I did go to the library. I did kind of take a look at them. What did you find? I mean, what did it take? It was impressive. It did was you have a, to really talk yourself into it, or did you see something there? Well, that... yeah, it was, it was the best law school in the country. <laughs> 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 so... Uh, and then I, I ended up talking to some of some of some of the other stu- students. Okay. And so I made I changed my mind, and then I called uh, the admissions office and said, "Look, this was in April, which is very late, because Harvard has a rolling admit system." Right. This was months after I'd gotten in, so it was a, and so I called in April and I said, "I I changed my mind. Can I change my mind? Can I come?" And they said, uh, "Yes, you, know, you can, but um, on campus housing is gone." And your financial assistance will be a lot different now. Be more, a lot more loans and stuff. Okay. Because you're coming in late. Do you still want to come? And I went back and talked to Professor Cop and Professor Rogers, and um, they strongly encouraged me to 
go. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I did. Well, and then after law school, you almost moved to D.C. is my understanding. You had, mm-hmm. That was a decision. Do you kind of, do you ever regret not trying that avenue? You know, I thought, I thought you know, many of the, um, many of my uh, classmates, friends, they were going to New, uh, D.C., New York, out west. And so I thought about going to D.C., law firm in D.C. Um, but in my first summer, after my first year in law school, I clerked for Fulbright and Jaworski's law firm. And, um, and quite frankly, I selected Fulbright and Jaworski not just because of their reputation, but when I was, and I'm, you may have heard me tell this story before, when I was 13, 14, and 15, my stay vacation was catching the bus going downtown and walking down Maine, Louisiana, and Smith Street looking at the buildings. Mm-hmm. Care for Maker's Home. That was, I was very much impressed by downtown and the buildings. And so when Fulbright and Jaworski came to Harvard in my first year, to interview people for summer internships positions, and they offered me the, the job for the summer. What convinced me from other law firms that I was looking at, I asked them, well, where are you located? They said, we're in downtown in the Bank of the Southwest building. I said, in downtown Houston? Off, and they said, where? I said, ask where? They said, off of Louisiana. I said, you got me. <laughs> you knew exactly where it was. And so that was the reason, because for me, it was, a, it was like a dream come true. And then after my first summer, after my first year, when I get ready to leave, then the firm extended me a permanent offer. When I did graduate two years later, they told me after my first year in law school, we want you to come as a permanent, as a permanent associate. I said, are you saying to me that um, regardless of the grades I make in my second or third year, that I have a permanent, you know, you're giving me a permanent offer? And they said, uh, well, we wouldn't quite put it like that. You know, regardless of grade, we want you to still maintain your grades. But the answer is, yes, we want you to. We're telling you now, two years from now, you have a permanent job at Fulbright Jawaski if you're elected to go. So I came back to uh, Harvard for my second year, knowing that I had the flexibility to kind of look around some other places. And uh, but ultimately, uh, and I did give some thought about going to to DC. Uh, but but what brought me back? Two things. Uh, number one, you know, it was um, my mom. She was still raising, you know, other kids. And I, this was an opportunity for me to help out. And then number two, um, Cheryl, who I've been dating for quite some time, was she went to University of Texas Law School. And, of course, it's back in Houston. And um, so those were two of the reasons yeah. why I returned to Houston. I'm interested mm-hmm. with all these experiences that that you had as a, a younger person, did you experience a lot of discrimination? Uh, yeah, you you, you kind of when you when you're coming through it, you know. Sometimes you just don't re- really realize, you know, maybe what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Don't quite know. I mean, even when I became when I was um, before they they announced that I was valedictorian of the, of the at Klein, it was a it was a long wait before it was announced. What do you mean? They didn't announce it. Yeah. I'll never forget, because normally on that day, they go in the microphone over the PA system and they announce, mm-hmm. you know, first, second, and third. But they kept delaying it and delaying it. So much so that a number of the parents from, from Acres Home came up to Klein. Really? Yeah. Because everybody knew that there was this intense 
academic competition between three students. Okay. Okay. Myself, Gina Gassell, Pat Taylor. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> yeah, for four years, we, you know, we were competing quite a bit, you know. So everybody knew that first, second, and third was going to be between three students. Right. Okay. And, um, and there was a sense that, you know, that I kind of edged them out. So that was a, that was a, a, a long delay, you know. Um, but eventually the, announce, the announcement came, but parents kind of got involved, and that was, you know, something. And then when I, you know, and we were the ones from Acres Home who integrated the Klein Independent School District. Right. So uh, when we initially, when the students from Acres Home arrived um, at Klein, it was, it was a very bumpy ride. A lot of fights in the hallway. It was a lot of racial tension. Because the white students were meeting the black students for the first time, and the black students were meeting the white students for the first time. It was it was very intense. Quite frankly, I think both students, you know, whether you're a white student or a black student, we all just we all came to the conclusion that if the parents would leave us alone and stay out of it, students are going to be all right. Well, so do you feel like that was? Um, what I want to know is how you dealt with that racial tension. That must have been really hard for it was students. Rough. It was rough for all of us. You know, we were. You know, what is very clear is that when you when you don't know people. Uh-huh. A lot of animosity or negative feelings can take place when you don't know people. Mm-hmm. And this was a situation in which students and parents, quite frankly, were meeting each other for the first time coming from two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Okay. But over a period of time, as the students came to know one another, then we were able to work past the differences. I saw, I saw, I saw a situation when students black, white, coming together when we were at our worst and the tensions were at its highest. And then, I re- and then I saw when the barriers started to come down, relationships started to be formed, and people came together. So from coming in as a freshman, well, quite frankly, I started in client intermediate, okay. Okay, which was next door to the high school, you know, because we were bus 18 miles one way, 36 miles a day. Uh, so I saw the tension, part of it, at the very beginning. And then I saw, you know, four years later when I was selected, you know, Mr. Klein High School President of Student Council, Donald Turing, and most likely to succeed mm-hmm. by many of the same students where four years ago we were fighting against one another. Four years later, we were the best of friends. You still had tension, and you still have tension to this very day. Right. But... Um, but you saw the, 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 the positive progression and you, when, when the relationships were being established and the relationships were being formed, then the walls were coming down and the tension was being reduced. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Acres Homes because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's often mentioned that this is where you live. Right. This is where you've chosen to live. Yep. You could probably live in a lot of places. Yes. And you've gone back to... It's just in the hood. No. Yeah. Why do you think that's such a significant part of who you are. Why are you there? Well, number one, uh, that my, the, the, the house, the only house that my mom and dad uh, purchased uh, was in Acres Home mm-hmm. back in 1954 because they came from Washington County. So they purchased that home. Not a big house, you know, uh, nine kids. And my mom and dad were reared in that home. I mean, that was home. But in that neighborhood, you had the business leaders, like George Smith, who owned his, his own, own pipe company. And his uh, wife was one of the teachers at Garden City 
elementary junior high, which is a school that we attended in, okay. in, in Acres Home in Garden City Park. You had the teachers there. You had the principal, Mr. Hall. You had the pastor, church right down the street. So you had all of those individuals. The bus drivers were in that, in that community. They, they were our role models, and they were all there. The teachers, the principals, they were all in the neighborhood. They were your role models, and they watched out for one another, and you saw them all there. Over a period of time, you saw many individuals leaving, and so those role models were leaving. But those role models were very instrumental in encouraging me and motivating me and incentivizing me. When Klein Independent School District uh, closed down my, our na- local neighborhood school and they sold it to the cemetery, so Paradise Cemetery on the north side of Houston is my old elementary junior high school. Hmm. And they sold it to the cemetery. Talk about racism. They sold it to the cemetery because nothing grows in the cemetery. They kept the community, the neighborhood from from expanding, which would put more kids into the Klein Independent School District. Right. And then they bust us 18 miles one way. Okay. And so when they did that, many of the teachers that attended the elementary or junior high were also integrated into the Klein Independent School District. Freddie Jennings, who was a biology teacher, was one of those teachers uh, who was at Klein High School. And he was the one, for example, who kept pushing me to do well academically. Mm -hmm. He was the one, for example, who kept, you know, uh, periodically, even in high school, I would bring him my report card because he wanted to see it and kept saying, hey, if you really push, you can end up being at the graduating at the top of this class. So you had people like that that were constantly pushing. Okay. Okay. So he was very, very instrumental. And he kept up with me over the next 40 years. Okay. So that was, you know, that was helpful for me. So now it's my turn. It's my turn. Many of those individuals have passed. Mm-hmm. So now it's my turn to be in, um, in the same position to be able to motiv- motivate other kids right. coming up in neighborhoods like Acres Home or similar neighborhoods to let them know that you can grow up in the hood mm-hmm. and still be successful. Mm-hmm. So I've chosen to stay in the neighborhood to let, in, in my own way of saying to those kids and others, that you can grow up in this neighborhood or neighborhood similar and still become the lawyer, the doctor, the mayor, you know, what have you. I know we just have a, a few minutes left, but I um, wanted to ask you briefly about sure. HUD said that your decision to reject this subsidized housing project in the Galleria area uh, a while remember, back. Yeah. I remember that one. So well. they, you. Right. So they determined that violated the Civil <laughs> Rights Act to that and sort of have you personally experienced the effects of gentrification throughout your life? And, you know, if so, how did that sort of inform your view and the way that you handled that, that particular right. issue? Well, number one, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, um, you know, Klein closed my local neighborhood school. Garden City Elementary Junior High is now a, it's now Paradise Cemetery. Okay. But there were some excellent teachers there. And they prepared me well for Klein Intermediate and Klein High School, but they closed that neighborhood school. I'm a native Houstonian. Midtown used to be Freedmanstown and then Fort Ward. And Booker T. Washington High School used to be in Freedmanstown, Fort Ward, which has then since moved to uh, Independent Heights. And look at Freedmanstown, Fort Ward today. 
There's not much left. It's primarily Midtown. And and we're doing everything we can to hold on to a little bit of the history that remains. But the gentrification is taking place there. Even if you look at Third Ward, you're seeing you're seeing a transition taking place. And we're trying to hold on to a lot of that. That's one of the reasons why I've come up with what we call complete communities. To build affordable housing, to hold on, to provide quality uh, grocery stores, parks, and green space, to encourage people who have been living in those areas to remain there, and to entice the children and others who grew up in those areas to return, to hold on to the to character. So yeah, I've, I've I've seen I've seen it take I've seen it take place in a very real way, um, the gentrification that that has occurred. And unless we are intentional, other communities will go the same way as a Freemanstown Fourth Ward, which is now Midtown in large part. So, yeah, I'm, I've seen it firsthand. That is one of the major reasons why I said to HUD and others, the answer is not to move kids. It's to, it's, the answer is not to force the city or cities to build multifamily affordable housing someplace else. The answer is to invest in these communities that have been underserved and under-resourced for decades, and then um, provide quality education in those communities and the neighborhoods so that people can grow up, take advantage of job opportunities, and then they, if they, you know, they can make whatever they can, and then they can use their own resources and live wherever they want to live. Right. Okay. Mayor Turner, you said that this is your last political race. It's the last time you're going to see my name on a ballot. Okay, because we've, uh, yeah, we've heard politicians say that before, nah, but no. you're saying this is unequivocally 100% the last campaign for office? Well, because I am a politician, you never just say 100%, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I had a speech teacher, Nancy Matlock, in the eighth grade, uh, who would beat into us, learn to cut off the speech while people still want to hear more. Mm-hmm. And her attitude and her what she said was, let them applaud you wanting more than to how to look away simply saying you stayed too long. <laughs> and so she said, you want, to, you want to step away from the podium on your own terms and when people want you to stay. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I've taken that to heart. That's why I elected to, to leave the legislature while I thought that people in my district still wanted me to stay. And quite frankly, while I still wanted to stay. And then, of course... Uh, now being mayor, this is a this is a dream job. Yeah. Okay. You have an opportunity to get things done in real time to make some meaningful, impactful changes, and quite frankly, it's it's, it's very liberating um, when you know that you're not having to um, uh, factor in, you know, who's going to be voting for you, or, or when you're trying to. Uh, position yourself in such a way that you don't want to lose any votes. And, you know, so you're looking down the road at the next position. You can concentrate on where you are and call a ball a ball, a strike a strike. And you don't have to put things off because they're too complicated or too politically insensitive. And that's why I elected to to tackle a lot of the issues in my first term, you know, and uh, and I'm that's why I'm looking forward, you know, if the voters say the same, even to the second, because, um, it, it gives you an opportunity to be even even more transformational. Yeah. Because this is this is this is the finale, and it's very very liberating. 
Well, before we let you go, okay. There's one thing that we do at the end of these What's episodes that? sometimes <laughs> when we interview developers and and people in the in the community we do okay. something called a lightning round of oh, questions. Those lightning rounds. You've done them before. They get you every it, time. It's it's fun though. It's fun, I think. Um, and they're Houston centric and very easy. If okay. you if you would indulge us, we would uh, love to um, throw some at you. Okay. All what's right, that? Jasper, you want to start? Sure. Uh, Mayor, what's your favorite Houston building? Building? Yeah. Oh, um, it would be the Rice Hotel. Mm. Favorite Houston neighborhood? Acres Home. I knew it. The Fofo. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Bayou or Bayou? <laughs> By you. <laughs> Best place in Houston to walk? Um, no, to walk. The Turner Park. <laughs> Turner Park? <laughs> okay, favorite musical artist? That would be uh, Yolanda Adams. Coffee or tea? Tea. Favorite ethnic restaurant in Houston? <laughs> I thought it was, but I'm going to stop. I'm not going to say that one. Think I, know, I think I know where you were going with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, favorite one would probably be, um, you know, my favorite restaurant is uh, it's Benihana's. You know, that's my favorite. Yeah. You see the yeah, Benihana's of Fogo de Tao. Okay. Favorite book when you were a kid? LBJ's book. Um, is it the, the Power? Oh, I don't know. I think it was, it was that. The other one would be by Maya Angelou. I know why the cage bird sings. Okay. Next vacation you plan to take? Oh, the Bahamas. And lastly, favorite reality show. <laughs> Do you know I don't watch those? You've never seen one? I don't watch the reality shows. I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Okay. Thank you so much for Thanks being for here and, and talking about some of these personal stories. Jasper, thank you too. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, thank you as well. And remember, if you don't already, please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, please reach out. I'm on Facebook at Twitter. I'm at N Sarnoff. Jasper? Find me on Twitter at Jasp Share. It's my handle. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.